What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, where we learn every day many, many lessons on how not to be a youth pastor. Kyle and Derek here, your two favorite youth pastors. Uh, well, at least two of the top three uh, in your minds, I or assume. Four. Or four. Um, we are at least in the top 10 uh, of favorite youth pastors that you in have. The, and in so, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Clearly, uh, north side of the Minneapolis-St. Paul Correct. area. So, uh, Derek, quick question today. Um, as one of the uh, two top 25 youth thank pastors you. it's an honor. in our listeners' like minds. I thank my mom for giving birth to me. Uh, yep. <laughs> she, she played a key role in that she event. She did. Uh, Derek, as one of the top 50 youth pastors uh, that our listeners know of, what's the craziest youth event you were ever a part of yeah. as, as either a youth pastor or a student. I'm going to take the student route because All right. that's it, good. So am I, <laughs> it, it played, it continues to plague me to this day. Uh, so we were in a sermon series called literally, this is going to hurt. I see where this is going and I'm excited for it. The whole premise of the, the sermon series was standing out for your faith and doing something that's uncomfortable. But with that, every week during youth group, there would be a challenge for the same six contestants. Now, the depending how you finish in these said events, you got a certain amount of points, person with the most points at the end, um, the church would buy a $100 gift for a how, person of that choosing. How did you become one of the six contestants? I volunteered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on. So... Uh, the first one, like it was like a who can run on a treadmill the longest was like a good one. Um, another one, I can't remember this. Hold on, time out. Are you meaning to tell me that your youth ministry somehow secured six treadmills to bring Sorry, in on a Wednesday it, night? It, it was four. I, I, I oh, okay. Remember. Still, four. where yeah. are you getting four treadmills from? To just start tell Minnesota, my goodness, land of the cake eaters, central <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> I start tell us about the community, but in any case, uh, it, this situation was a bad one, and I apologize. If you are currently eating anything, I highly recommend pausing the episode until. Is this something where like pull over on the side of the road too, or just no, the eating? No. Okay. Um. So, the, for this particular event, it was a you had to drink a shake the fastest. First person to finish a shake was the winner. Now, the components of this shake were quite nasty. Oh, I'm thinking like a blended Big Mac. That would have been much more preferred than what I had. Oh, good. It was it was espresso, buffalo, not bad, um, ice. But then it was sardines, pig's feet Ugh. with the bones in them. Ugh. And a bunch of other nasty stuff. And I mean it. Like, I'm so... It was, it literally made you throw up. So like I, I threw up into this trash can four times during this shake. One of them being, um, I was, I'm a shorter guy. I was in the As process. As we covered on our last episode. We, did, we, I was bending down to throw up and a taller person above me also oh, had to throw no. up, threw up in my hair. It was disgusting. Um, and so to this day, like I mean it, I cannot eat buffalo sauce because every time I eat buffalo, I remember back to that moment. Oh, that is 
one of the more gross things that I've ever heard in my Thank life. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's mine is not that gross. Uh, you know, when I actually, I, man, I have two. So now I'm contemplating, you know what? We'll just share both of them and pray. I don't get fired later. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as a student, we had, we had an event, uh, growing up. I don't, it was, it was a same night split event for our guys and our girls. And I don't remember what the girl's side of it was called. The guy's side was called the Royal Rumble. And I remember that we had like a bunch of inflatables that we would bring in and, and most of the inflatables either a, the inflatable itself had some sort of gladiator esque game to it. Or we as uh, this is a middle school event, by the way. So middle school boys. Uh, So either it had a gladiatorial aspect to it or we created a gladiatorial aspect to it. As most Uh, guys do. Yep. There were multiple hospital visits uh, throughout the course of this event's five or six year run as a thing uh, in our youth ministry. And uh, so that was was good. The other one I can think of was, and uh, I know that my senior pastor listens to this podcast, but I know he's also like... 20 some episodes, 20 behind. episodes behind. So I have a good three or four months here before I get fired for saying this. Uh, actually, I don't know if he knows this or not. We did do, uh, fruit ninja, like real life fruit ninja yes. on a, uh, he knows you did. Oh, we talked yeah, about we it talk, on that episode. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, we did real life fruit ninja in our sanctuary, like with an actual sword and a knife and, uh, real fruit. And it, that was hilarious and it was awesome. And I loved it. Um, don't know that I would do it again because looking back on it, there may have been some safety things, especially if the knife, (laughs) well, if the knife had left the hand at any point, accidental or otherwise, that probably, probably would not have ended well. So that's, uh, that's my answer. Crazy. There's been some crazy youth events. Yours is, yours is more crazy. Mine was just more gross. Yeah, that is pretty gross. I will say the last event, actually, like the pastors got some massive hate mail for because the last event was, um, what they did, it was this same time of year. It's now January, February-ish. And they brought in four kiddie pools, filled them up with water, and then put a bunch of snow and ice in them. And then, so you had to sit in this kiddie pool of freezing cold water, and every minute they would pour more cold water on top of your head, and it was last person out of the pool. Oh, yeah, I can see that being a bad idea. Yeah. Um, especially when one of the kids was a state swimmer at that time. And yeah, so it it was, it was not yep. great, but, um, yeah, so it was, it was not great, but you know, it's there, it's just youth ministry. You do some and, crazy stuff. And you know stuff. what? We learn all the time yeah, how, how not, not to be, be a youth, youth pastor. pastor. It'd be a good idea for a podcast at some point. We should start one. We really should. As, as idea. two of the top 100 youth pastors yeah. in the country. We should really start a podcast like I love that. Well, the number continually changes. <laughs> it goes up every yeah, time. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm waiting for yeah. you to notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it youth ministry is one of those crazy things. And, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about our experience as a student as it pertains to how we minister as pastors now, Kyle, because it, let me just kind of give you a rundown of, of my experience as a student. There was a lot of food when I was a youth ministry student. Like when I was going to youth group, there was a lot of food and free food. It was like, hey, we're doing a bunch of pizza. We're we're grabbing, you know, a bunch of 
chicken nuggets. We're going to do a chicken nugget bar. You know, all this crazy stuff, which chicken nugget bar would be pretty sick. We should bring that back. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. But it was, it was also like a lot of big events, right? Like, hey, we're going to do this big thing. We're going to give away a bunch of gift cards. We're going to have some live worship. We're going to, you know, bring in in the smoke machines. We're going to do just a ton of giveaways. Like, you know, we're, we're giving away um, an Apple Watch. We're giving away, you know, a $100 Xbox or a PlayStation thing. Like, bring as many of your friends as you can. There was, there was all this hype, hype and more hype. And ultimately, the, the whole premise, at least when I was at that stage was let's get as many kids in the door as we possibly can at all costs. Like, like we'll buy the stuff. We'll put out the invite. We'll do all of that. stuff. we will get them in the door no matter what it takes because they're going to hear the gospel message. Is that, does that land? Is that, is that kind of your experience? Yeah. I, I went through many different youth ministries at the same church because I had a lot of different youth pastors. Sure. <laughs> turnover. Um, but there were, you know, I definitely remember some seasons where, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of big events. It's a lot of giveaways. Like Derek said, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, of stuff going on. And, and like you said, you know, the, the goal is, you know, it's, it's bringing in a, a flashy speaker because, you know, we think that like, oh my gosh, when, when our students, or, or when our students' friends see, oh my gosh, they're bringing in like a former NBA player to speak on this on this yep. Wednesday night or on this Friday night. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go to that because that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, that that definitely was a thing. Yeah, and and it worked. I mean, at least for, at least for our our demographic, it did where I grew up. Like, we had a bunch of new people come in. Our youth ministry grew. It was it was really really cool. And I've I've sensed that. As we've been in youth ministry, you've been in ministry for five plus years, you, correct? Or you're old. Five. You. Where, where oh, you yeah. Going? I'm at like five and a half. Yeah, I'm at four and a half, almost five. So I'm old. Yeah, you are mm. old. We, we all know that. Interesting. I've, I've heard of these two different ideas of ministry, and I want to talk about them today because there's the attractional model, which is just that. You are trying to attract people at all costs. You're trying to get the giveaways. You're trying to get the big name speaker. You're trying to get all the bells and whistles that are going to attract kids to get in the door. Like spiritual or non-spiritual doesn't really matter. Get them in the doors no matter what. But then there's the emissional model, which is like almost where we don't care about getting kids in the door. We just want to teach them how to be on mission for God. We want to teach them how to like live out their faith in a real way. And a lot of times it feels like it's one or the other. Like we need to, we need to be very attractional. We're, we're a church. It's all about, oh, we're a church. It's all about getting kids in the door. We're a church that, you know, we have a big budget so we can do all these things. And then you have the church where it's like, they have zero idea of how to get, they haven't seen a new person walk through the door in two years. Yep. And it can, it can be hard. And so, um, you know, something that I have just sensed is a changing of the guard of it. When we, when we grew up, it was all attraction, all getting kids in the door, but I'm almost seeing that Kyle, that that's, that's changing a little bit that it's, it's no longer that way anymore. Yeah. You know, with our youth ministry, we don't want people coming through the door. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, we have, we have, we have security out closed front. doors policy. Yeah. Nobody knew. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, 
you know, the, these two ideas of, of attractional ministry and, and missional ministry, uh, I, as a youth pastor, tend to lean toward the missional side. Um, maybe almost to a fault, uh, you know, and, and we'll talk about, you know, the, the balance later, but the, I I'm listening to a podcast right now. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's called how not to be a youth pastor by two of the top 250 youth pastors in the country. Uh, they're, they're great guys. We're going to be like one of the the top two of the 7 billion people that are on this planet. Two of the youth pastors in this country. Uh, no, I'm, I'm listening to a podcast called, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It's really, really fascinating. I'm not going to get into that. My point in bringing it up is I was listening to it and he shared a quote from a guy named Jared Wilson, who I've never met and I have no idea who he is, but Jared Wilson said, what you win them with is what you win them to. Uh, and, and his ex- explanation of that quote was, you know, if you win people to the church using, you know, with, with hype and, and you win them with giveaways, then, then that hype is going and, and that I'm here to receive something model. That's the going to be the foundation of their faith, you know, and that's what their faith is going to be built on. And that's what you're win. That's the faith you're winning them to. Yep. And, and a, a similar quote that is uh, got an unknown source that I've heard for years in ministry is how you get them is how you have to keep them. And it yep. kind of goes along the same lines where, you know, if, if I, if I get somebody to come through the doors with a free gift card, then I have to keep them coming through the doors with a free gift card. Yeah. Uh, and, and if the free gift cards stop coming, they might stop coming. Yep. And, and I think what we want to talk about today is the balance between the two so that there's a progression where, you know, it, it's not a bad thing to hold, you know, crazy youth events. Now there might be a small problem with the ones that Derek and I led the episode <laughs> off with, which is why we're talking about them years right, later. Right. <laughs> the statute of limitations has passed. <laughs> but I do think like there's value in having a giveaway. Yeah. But like we we do games some some Wednesday nights and not every game that we do has a prize. Not every game we yep. do has a has a, a giveaway at the end of it. Yep. Um and, and I think that that helps create a transition toward, you know, maybe the first time I'm here, the third time I'm here, I'm here, you know, because there was a giveaway, but the trans, the, the progress of now I'm here because of the relationships that I'm building with the people here, you know, the, the youth leaders like me and, and I like the, I'm building relationships with other students. I'm building relationships with the youth leaders and the youth pastor. And ultimately at some point in this, God's going to do his thing. He's going to take over and and now they're there because they just want the presence of God. Yep. But I think like Derek said, the danger is sticking in that attractional ministry model too long to where all your youth ministry is about is the hype and the free pizza and the gift cards. It's very interesting to me if if we as youth pastors were to ask ourselves this question and we're very honest with ourselves is what are we trying to do with our ministry 
That would be a very interesting question to me because something that... Now, what's the goal? Yeah. I mean, the Lord's really been convicting me of like, are you trying to build my kingdom or build a ministry? And that is something that is like a, been a tough question for me because a lot of us would say, yeah, we, we need to attract people so we can, you know, get people in the door and get people saved and have people encounter God, 100%. But I think it's really easy for us at some point to lose the heart of why we want to get people for the much more counterfeit version of a bigger ministry is more attractive. It makes you, it, yeah. it inflates your ego. It inflates a, I'm doing something with this. But I'm finding that Generation Z, the students that are in our ministry right now, are so done with this mentality of we want to be hyped. We want to just yep. be here for the free pizza. We want to do it because we live in a world of TikTok. We live in a, in a world of filters. We live in a world where there is so much that is not actually true, but that is being perceived. And I think students are just ready for real. They're ready for a real encounter with God. They're ready for a real actual plan of how they can get to where they want to be. I love this old adage that like you can give a boy a fish or give him a rod and teach him how to fish. Like I'm sure a lot of us have heard that. And I think that's so true. Like we have at the most seven years with a student in our youth ministry. If they come Depending in, on the, sorry to interrupt, but it, it could be even, I mean, obviously it could be less when a kid just shows up and you know, they're a senior and they show yep. up for the first time. Mm -hmm. But depending on where you're at in the country, the, you know, you're at the mercy of the school system in your area. You know, yeah. there, there are some school systems where youth ministry is grades seven through 12 instead of six through 12. And so now it's six years instead of seven years. Yep. And whether or not you get them for all seven of those years, you know, that is not a whole lot of time. Uh, you know, I, I'm pulling all of this math off the top of my head, so don't fact check me on this, but our Wednesday nights are about a minute and 15 minutes long. A minute, a minute and 15 minutes A minute long. and 15 minutes. An oh. hour, an hour and 15 minutes long. So that's about 75 hours over the course of a school year if the student came every single Wednesday night, you know, there's, and there's Wednesday, Wednesday nights, every night. right. There's Wednesdays that we miss because of holidays and stuff like that. Um, but about 75 hours times seven. Yeah. You know, that is 900 hours. There's no way that math is right, but it's seven times seven. somewhere in that range. 150, seven 300, times seven would be 49. So you're, it's in, I would think it's in the neighborhood of 500, 600 hours. Clearly, we're not math majors yeah. here. Okay, hold on, though, because now this is going to bug me, right? You said 75 hours in a year. 75 times 7. 150 would be 2. 300 would be 4. 450, so 525. Okay, yeah. I feel better about myself yeah. now. 525 hours. You said 900 to start I, That though, was right? not even close. <laughs> no Yikes. need to bring that back up, hey, Derek. I, I'm, I'm just... Keeping you accountable. It's fine if you had said it. I would have brought it up. Yeah, I know uh, you would have. <laughs> yeah, we're dropping to the top four thousand youth pastors yeah. in the country now. Uh, but we, the, I mean, five hundred and twenty-five hours is really not that much no. over the course of seven years. If that's the maximum amount of time you get with a student on a Wednesday night, 
Yeah. And, and and so then you have to ask yourself, what are you doing with that yeah. hour and 15 minutes? How much now there's that- a, now there's an urgency. Yeah. Right. And, and even if we're, if we're honest, like it's not just a download of spiritual content for an hour, 15, there's mm-hmm. games, there's greeting, there's announcements, there's, yeah. there's small yep. group. You're looking at, I bet you're looking at 30 minutes, 40 minutes of mm-hmm. actual spiritual development. And so, you know, if all we are doing as youth pastors is filling these kids with experiences of God in high school, they have no foundation when they walk out of our doors. When they go to a college to a college, or when they go to a trade school, when they go into the real world, it's just more experiences. Experiences that are likely antith- ant- antithetical, antithetical. Antithetical. Thank you. I, I, don't, I was emphasizing on the anti there. Whew, Thank you for that. That was a big word. It was. At least I don't think 7 times 75 is... Oh, okay. In any case, I'm just kidding. Um, but if all we are doing is just replacing church experiences with worldly experiences. Yep. They're just as confused and just as at the mercy of what life will take them. Instead, I think we need to focus more on how can we help them grow on their own with God? So now all of a sudden, now it's not a matter of they just have that hour and 15 with us every week. It's we're equipping them to go and spend 10 minutes on Thursday, Mm -hmm. five minutes on Friday. Saturday is busy, but Sunday they come to church for an hour and then they read their Bible for 20 minutes at night. All of a sudden now that time is now growing and with it is their foundational understanding of who God is. It's it's this this whole thing. And so there's almost been a shift in our ministry in the last year of going, we're done with the attractional. We're yeah. done with our only focus is to get more kids in the door so that we can feel better about ourselves for being honest and have this perceived idea of success and instead, what if we equipped and empowered our students to live out their faith realistically, mm-hmm. yep. teaching them, here's why you read the Bible, here's how you read the Bible, here's why you pray, here's how you pray, and teach them very realistically how to grow in their faith on their own. Yeah, dude, that's that's killer. I love that. And you know, when it, I'm going to use round numbers because clearly I can't use complicated <laughs> numbers anymore. Uh, if you've got a youth ministry of 50 kids and, and you, you know, you, you've hyped it up, you know, kids are inviting their friends because, because, you know, there's fancy lights yep. or, uh, you know, there's giveaways or whatever. And, and you're up to 50 kids and, you know, 10 years from now, 10 of those 50 kids are still following Christ. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a win for those 10 kids. Sure. If you have 20 kids and you are intentionally discipling them, you're not just going broad, but you're going deep into the word of God. You're teaching them, like you said, teaching them how to fish. You're yep. teaching them how to pray. You're yep. teaching them how to study the word of God and, you know, not have to have somebody spoon-feed it to you. Yep. If if of those 20, 15 of them are still following Christ after 10 years, that's a greater win. Yep. And those 15 are probably, they probably have a deeper faith than the 10 that we mentioned earlier. And they have probably brought other people to Christ in those 10 years. I think that one of the criminal, criminal attributes of American Christianity is the assumption that you can only get saved within the church walls. Yes. When throughout scripture, I'm generalizing here, but off the top of my head, 
most, if not all, of the New Testament conversions happened outside of synagogues. You know, there there was definitely teaching. I won't say all, but most of them happened, you know, on the road to Emmaus. Most of them happened, you know, the uh, the Ethiopian man uh, just in his chariot on the road. Yeah. You know, this was this was a relational thing, and it was personal. Yeah. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to. Uh, you know, we're going to get together and have kids close their eyes and raise their hand and count those as salvations when that kid raised their hand for salvation for the third time this month. Well, you look at Jesus and you t- and you look at his 12 disciples that followed him around. To your point, very rarely did he say, hey, we're going to the temple. Come hear me speak. Mm-hmm. We see Jesus with the woman at the well who was just there. He ministered to her. We see all kinds of different people who are blind on the side of the road begging. And Jesus goes up and heals them. Jesus went into the world. Jesus went to where the brokenness and the hurting was and brought himself to it. And I think there is this conception and fear, I would say, that we as youth pastors are scared to go deep because we're scared we're going to leave the kids behind and we're going to confuse them and we're going to turn off potential openness to future Christians, mm-hmm. which, yeah. is, which is legitimate. We had we had a missionary come and speak at the beginning of January with our youth students, and he it was actually really interesting because he shared with me that speaking at, in our youth ministry was the first youth group he's ever been to. Uh, he he didn't grow up in the church. Wow. And so not just like speaking. It's no, no, no. He's Literally, it's the been. first time he's ever stepped foot in a youth ministry. Wow. And so that that was kind of cool. It was an honor. Uh, but, you know, I told like he has spoken. I mean, he's raising support to be a missionary. And so he has spoken on Sunday mornings to many different churches and different adult congregations. And I told him, you know, I I stopped speaking down to students years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they don't need me to water it water it down and stoop down and kneel down to their level. Now, yeah. there are times where I will slow down. Yeah. But and and I might take a little bit more time to explain something. But you do but, with adults too. Also true. <laughs> yes. Uh you know, and that's a little bit of the discernment of the youth pastor is knowing when to speed up and when to slow down. But I stopped talking down to them a long time ago Smart. because Good. they they're ready for more and they can they can handle more than a lot of people more than I thought that they could when I first started. Yeah, and what obviously I think this is something that you and I have both embodied and are very passionate about, and this is what would be considered a missional ministry model. It's mm-hmm. we're focusing on the mission of. Jesus, when he did the Great Commission, was not go and make converts of all nations. Yeah. It was go there's, and make disciples. There's a difference between following Jesus and di- being a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. You know, I, I think about this all the time. If I said the name Billy Graham, mm-hmm. Christian or non-Christian, likely somebody's heard of Billy Graham. Yeah. Especially in the Christian world, we know who Billy Graham is. We know how many tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of lives he directly touched. Could you tell me the name of the youth pastor of Billy Graham. Yeah, it was uh, Walter Matthau. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that's actually true, I would hate you. No, I'm pretty sure Walter Matthau is the name of the dog in Grumpy Old Men, oh isn't it? 
I don't know why that was the why first. Why was that the first thing? I had that ready to go, and I don't know why. Your brain is a scary place, Carl. You want to know the best part? I've never seen the movie. Of course, yeah. I haven't either, actually. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but... But, like, that's my point, is we don't know. But, like, what what a, like, disservice you think about if Billy Graham, we'll call him Walter, if Walter the youth pastor of Billy Graham <laughs> got discouraged, frustrated, and burnt out on ministry because he couldn't grow his youth ministry beyond a certain size and didn't take the time to pour into Billy Graham as a believer, as a son of God, how many hundreds of thousands of lives would be different if Billy Graham was not equipped to step into the calling God had for him? Yeah. Like that is crazy. And so I think when it it comes to the fear of leaving kids behind, we need to lean into that. And and as we're going to wrap up here in a second is you do need both. You need attractional and missional. But like Kyle and I were talking about before the show, if you're going to err on one side, err on the side of missional. Because if you do everything you can to develop and disciple and pour into these kids so that they can grow into mature, solid believers of Jesus, they are going to reproduce themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is where the American church has struggled because we are in a consumer mindset where it's like, I want to go to this church because it serves my needs better. I like the preaching better here. I like the lights over here. The worship's way better over here. It's a consumer mindset. And because of that, we're not reproducing ourselves. We're not seeing we're not seeing churches that are growing and that are multiplying and are replanting themselves in different areas. There's perceived growth, but at the same time, the church is not reproducing itself as mm-hmm. much as it needs to be because I think for so long we've been so attractional. Yeah. It's just getting them in the doors and that's it. Once once we get them saved, once they hear the message, we're good. And like there's so much more that we're missing. Yeah, that. we're we're missing um Yeah, we're just missing depth. I yeah. think is really the simplest way to put it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's what I'll say is um I want to hear from Kyle and and I'll share what I do with discipleship, but as I just kind of alluded to, you need both. You mm-hmm. need to have outreaches. You need to have, I mean, uh, a few weeks ago now, we had, you know, this event where we were celebrating some really cool things that the students did over the course of the year. And so we brought in a bunch of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers and I, my, my hair went pink. And it was it was a very, I met a lot of new kids and that was awesome. And it was yeah. a huge win for our ministry. But if now we don't follow up with those kids, if now next week we're going, okay, that was really successful. Let's do this again next week and and just go into this mindset of, I want to continue to see more numbers, mm-hmm. but never take them deep. I'm failing. Yep. So it's got to be a both and rather than an either or. And I think to do that, outreaches and, and, and those type of nights are pretty self-explanatory. We could always do another episode, but I want to know Kyle, like how you guys at two nine youth, you as a youth pastor are intentional about discipleship and developing kids in their faith. Yeah, so there's a couple different things that uh, that we will do. Um, first of all, for for our middle school students, we have uh, we call it a salt class. Um, it's it's basically what a lot of people would refer to as Sunday school. Uh, sure. You know, on Sunday mornings during one of our services, it's an oper- a great opportunity for middle school students to be around just other middle school students without all the big scary high schoolers around. 
Um, do you teach that or do you have, I do. Else? I, I teach most of it. Um, okay. I have, uh, another youth leader, um, who will occasionally teach it. Um, and it's something that, you know, as we grow, uh, it's something that I would like to have more of my adult volunteers a part of. Um, but I, I teach that. And then I also do, uh, a Sunday night Bible study with our high schoolers, uh, throughout the school year. Uh, again, I teach that and there's another one or two adult volunteers that are a part of it. Do you do uh, it internally, like in the church or do you meet somewhere uh, in, else? in somebody's home. Okay. Uh, we cool. have, we have a, a family in our youth ministry that, uh, has graciously opened up their home and, um, mom is one of our youth leaders and one of her spiritual gifts is baking. And so that works out really well. That does work out well. Um, and so she, she is a phenomenal host and like her heart is a hundred percent for that. And so yeah. it works out really well. Um, and so we do that. I encourage, you know, I encourage our high schoolers, like if, if you want to go deeper in your faith, like our Bible study, uh, I guess by the time this airs, we won't be doing it anymore. But throughout January, we were looking at, like we literally studied Revelation in the end times. Wow. Biggest mistake of my youth pastor career was openly asking our high school students what book of the Bible you want to study. <laughs> and they almost unanimously said Revelation. And I thought, shoot, <laughs> I regret asking because yeah. it's not something I had ever studied before. Sure. Uh, and it turned out to be, it was a blast yeah. for me personally to deep dive into the book of Revelation. Super, super fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, side note, listeners, if you ever want some resources, let us know at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. And I will send you, you know, like some of the notes that I took or some of my thoughts or, uh, you know, it's, it's also unique because the book of Revelation is not one of those books where we read it and we 100% concretely know everything. Right. So that's always fun too. But, uh, so that Bible study was really cool. Um, and, and then we, there are some aspects of just our regular yearly stuff, uh, that we look at with discipleship. Our mission teams have a huge discipleship component to them. Yep. Uh, you know, there's training that involved, that is involved in gearing up toward these mission teams. Um, and so th those are, those are kind of the big pieces. And then I will, you know, sometimes in our connect groups that we break out to on the end of Wednesday nights, uh, sometimes connect group leaders have students, specific students within their group that, you know, I don't know that they would necessarily call it discipling, but I would, uh, you know, like, Hey, I want, you know, you lead the questions this week or, uh, you know, you lead some aspect of our connect group. You lead the prayer this week, you know, giving students an opportunity to, to take action a little bit as well. Yeah. And I would, I would echo that a lot of the, a lot of the same things that you just mentioned, uh, mission teams, we have the same kind of discipleship process. We also have a group of student leaders that come over to our house once a month and same thing, you know, it's, it, it started out as like a leadership thing, but again, as God, it kind of stirred my heart. It's like, uh, no, we're going to go deep. And it was so cool. Uh, last month I said, Hey, read, read the book of Philippians and come with your notes and the things that stuck out to you. And dude, it was so cool to like say, all right, guys, what'd you think? Mm -hmm. And for the next 25, 30 minutes of them just exchanging back and forth, questions, thoughts, ideas, things that stuck out to them, it it just almost was a slap in the face of going like, why did I not give this, this opportunity before this? Because they're very capable of it and more. And yeah. I think that's ultimately like, I think Kyle, what you said was just amazing of don't speak down to them. Don't, mm -hmm. don't cap what they are able to do because... 
they're going to blow right past it if yep. we set the bar high enough for them. And so, you know, we do that. Uh, Meg, my wife, came up with this great idea with something called the gathering that we're going to do yearly where um, it's going to be, you know, hey, come to the church. We're going to do some time of worship. But there's going to be four different rooms that we rotate through. So like this group, you start in this room, this room, this room, this room with four other youth pastors or leaders that are going to take, all right, how do you go deep in the word? Where do you start? Mm. How do you do it? Um, let's talk about That's prayer. Good. There's conversational prayer. There's prophetic prayer, like how to pray and like very practical things, but almost like a workshop of yeah. here are the nuts and bolts of faith. And it, there's no hype. There's no gift cards. There's mm-hmm. no nothing. Yeah. It's going to be five or 10 bucks. And we're going to give you some snacks and a journal. And you're going to come and just, just, be a sponge for three hours and then mm-hmm. take that out and do that in your real life. Um, it, it, again, it's all those things. That's not sexy. That's not attractional, but it's going to be things like that, that start a journey for someone on their faith that will inevitably blossom and grow into something so much more amazing yeah. and beautiful. And, you know, it's the last thing I would say, I think when it comes to all of this is just as a freeing thing to youth pastors, we are not responsible for the fruit that comes. We can't make a student grow. We can't make a student receive. But what we can do is be obedient to Jesus. Seek him always. Because mm-hmm. what I love, somebody told me this, so much of what we do in life is caught, not taught. Mm-hmm. Your students are going to watch you. They're going to watch how you respond. They're going to watch how you interact with the Lord. And so That's if you good. are genuinely seeking after God, and genuinely giving your all to him, that's going to be so much more impactful to them than any sermon you could possibly preach to them. Mm -hmm. And that has just been a life-changing... I'm guessing... I'm going out on a limb here. I can remember... Seems dangerous, but continue. Maybe two, maybe three. In my time as a student, I can remember glimpses of two to three sermons that my youth pastor preached. I'm going to one-up you. I remember two, maybe three of the sermons I've given. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But I, some life defining moments, conversations, mm-hmm. and nuggets of wisdom experiences have been shared one on one with my youth pastor yep. Yep. in a fishing boat, grabbing Panera and eating muffins and cookies. And so that has been my discipleship model. Mm-hmm. Get out of your office, get out of your church, get out of your normal routine grab a student, grab some food, start talking and listen. Yeah. And that, those conversations are going to go farther than any sermon series you could ever give because it's conversational. It's what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Jesus had tight knit groups. He went out and we see what happened. So. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Uh, Before we close, Derek. Uh, have you ever seen the ESPN show, pardon, pardon the Interruption? Yes. I was, I was waiting for you to give me a full life story about Billy Graham's past. Or, or... No, but, well, sort of. Uh, in the show, Pardon the Interruption, at the end of it, they always have a segment where they go over the errors uh, oh, that they sure. made. Like, you know, they yeah. quoted a number wrong or stuff like yep. that. Uh, so I have two uh, from the episode. First of all... It's going to be a thing going forward because... It might be. <laughs> well, yeah, we have enough errors each episode. We probably could make it a segment. Uh, first of all, uh, Walter Matthau, good friend of the show. 
Good friend of the show. Uh, is not the name of the dog in Grumpy Old Men. He would be the actor who plays one of the lead roles oh. in Grumpy Old Men. Oh, so you were close. So I was. I had the movie right. Um, also, according to Wikipedia, also Good great friend, of the great show. friend of the show, Wikipedia. Uh, where was the? Uh, Billy Graham was turned down for membership in his local youth group for being quote too worldly. I mean that so worked out well for Billy him. Billy Graham did not have a youth pastor. <laughs> well, <laughs> which probably is why nobody can re- name remember, him. Yeah, but right. uh, he fair. did. That's he fair. did. Then a friend uh, persuaded him to go see the evangelist Mordecai Ham, and that would be uh, where Billy Graham was led to Christ. Have you ever heard of Mordecai Ham before right now? I have. Have you really? I, I mean, I recognize the name. Okay. I've never, I mean, but I, I haven't, but I, I, I recognize the name and that's, that's about it. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyways, so uh, to basically discredit everything we just said, two show corrections, <laughs> uh, for you. But if, if listeners, if you find more, you know, Derek and I love to learn from our mistakes. Mm. That's what this whole ep, uh, podcast is about. Yep. Uh, learning from our mistakes on how not to be a youth pastor. So uh, email us how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. And one of the two best 10,000 youth pastors in the country will respond to that email. And uh, in a somewhat timely fashion, timely and totally not sarcastic. Uh, I don't want to lie. <laughs> yeah, no, it will it will 100% be sarcastic. We've gotten a few emails and I'm pretty sure every one of them was fairly sarcastic and our response back to them was We respond with the mirroring level of yes, sarcasm. Correct. I think is uh I think is what it is. Yeah. So uh that's all for uh for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh but I think it's time that Derek and I go play real life Fruit Ninja. Goodbye. Goodbye.